Welcome to the first episode of the Entrepreneur's Digression. Um, today I've got Max Bishop, also known as Morning Maxwell or Morning Cookwell, if you're part of his new <laughs> of his latest movement. Um, Max, if you want to give a breakdown, what what's the Cookwell? That's like a just a short Morning video. Cookwell. Yeah, thank thanks for having me. By the way, Tommy, no appreciate worries. it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I guess like the Morning Maxwell name, it's actually worked out to be very advantageous for marketing purposes um with the alliteration that's kind of handy but basically any kind of activity or thing that i'm doing i just replace the max in it with that word or whatever and it just works like morning entrepreneur well you know what i mean like morning yeah. podcast well we're, do we're doing it right now yeah um so with morning cook well i love cooking and um i just decided that i'd try to um do a bit of a cooking show and see if my audience would be um, would be interested in it. And I've done two episodes and it's been really good so I, far. I saw the first episode, which was the aubergine. And that, yeah. are you doing it only vegan or is it going to be, are you vegan or are you? Um, huh, that's a really, I could talk about that for an hour. Um, <laughs> go for, go <I'm>, for it. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'm like, I'm pretty much vegan, I reckon now. Um, I probably used to eat meat like once every once a month maybe mm -hmm. and I used to eat dairy as well but now so it didn't really it wasn't a huge loss to you really to take yeah no nah, it wasn't the only thing that I actually do eat still is eggs now that I think about it so actually my friend asked me the other day and I was like I'm a vegan because this has got eggs in it yeah um <laughs> instead of a vegan but yeah. yeah I try to like not eat meat all the time just because it's pretty bad for the environment um and also like I feel like a lot of people would eat vegetarian and vegan if they knew recipes and stuff. So I guess that's probably one of like the, the motivations for doing that style of cooking as well, just to open up that kind of area for people. I guess the outside view of the world of veganism is that everything we see on a vegan menu up until two years ago was boring. Like if you Dude. had to order the vegan option, it was like that was the shit option. Like it wasn't. Man, 130%. Yeah. yeah, it was like let's get potato or let's get – meat with heaps of seasoning on it like yeah. obviously you're going to choose the yeah. meat you know what I mean but yeah it's like you said man two years ago it's changed so much yeah like, even in the last 24 months things of the the whole mentality and the whole because I think restaurants are stepping up their games realizing how much of a portion of their customers their are going to be vegan yeah because people yeah, especially dude. within I mean regions for instance where I live in the, in the hills it's it's very vegan like people yeah. are needing yeah, yeah. to uh, get that audience in. And because it's it's 100%. growing by the day, it's this new, not even a new trend. I mean, it's around for ages, but it's only becoming recently that people have started to think, hey, we actually need to make food that tastes good now. <laughs> Dude, seriously, man, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a necessity for businesses to go well. Like even looking at our mate Luciano, his bar, you know, like he mm -hmm. he's been doing more and more vegetarian and vegan options for that exact reason because like you said you're up in the hills and um there's a lot of people that are vegan and you need to cater to them sookie lounges yeah. heaps it's, and yeah, it's it, everywhere and it's gone beyond the point of being whether or not you agree with veganism or if you agree with its necessity as you know being required to have the planet survive it's gone beyond that it's like it's a necessity to survive as a business if you want to be a mm. cafe if you yep. want to be a restaurant in this day and age you need to adapt and it doesn't also, matter if you like, agree with it or not. I think it's just the... Yeah. No, definitely. I actually... Um, it's kind of funny we're talking about this because I had a meeting with my chef this morning 
um, for my events company, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Um, but we're doing a new menu. And one of the main requirements that I told him was do as many options as you can, but make as many of those um, have a vegan option on the side. Same with gluten-free. Because any client could come around and be like, can I change that eggplant? Can I change that eggplant parma with cheese to eggplant parma with um, vegan cheese, you know, or change the chicken to eggplant or whatever. Like you got to have, you got to have those options ready for people because like I know for a fact there's actually catering businesses now that strictly do vegan catering. That's how like much demand and popularity and need it is. So yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah. And I think, so that's, that's with your Max Bishop events and I will definitely get to that because that's something. Yeah. That was sort of my first introduction to you as to what you did because when I, when I first met you, yeah, well, 2015, I think. Yeah, it would have been 2015, was, maybe even 2014. Yeah, bro, yeah. It, was, it was Max Bishop events. That was the thing I knew. Like I'd, I knew that you were a DJ and that you did music, but the Max Bishop events, I think just being at Yoshi's house and that was kind of what you were developing. It wasn't a thing yeah. necessarily yet. I've got a stack of your business cards somewhere. Like a Dude, awesome. stack it's probably of got my business old... cards. <laughs> no, it's the it's yellow. Got my it's... Old... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. yellow, orange one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's probably got my old mobile on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've updated so, it since then. So taking things back. So morning, morning Maxwell, and I can yep. see on Zoom that we're recording this, I can see posters surrounding you of the morning Maxwell <laughs> yeah, brand. Yeah, yeah. And is it a yeah. is it a brand or is it an identity? Is it like who you recognize yourself as or is it a brand that you're building around? I think it's both, man, to be honest. I think the identity thing is definitely um, for certain people. Um, like obviously with close friends, I still identify myself as Max Bishop. But um, I think I'm also proud to say that Morning Maxwell is Max Bishop. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like whatever I do, whether it be DJ-wise, marketing-wise, show-wise, how I dress, whatever, it's not how Morning Maxwell dresses, it's how I dress because I'm I'm that person and I want to try and stay as true to myself as possible with that, you know. Um, and I think like I was actually thinking about this the other day, like pretty much every decision that I've made with events and with DJing and production is like, it's just me being me and that's worked well, thankfully, you know, and I want to try and keep doing that. And if I change, I'll just channel that change and make that the forefront of my identity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So with it, yeah. I mean, you've toured a bit, you've gone, I know you've gone to Bali and yeah. you've done gigs right around Australia and yeah. kind of what was the the moment with it where it was kind of like this, this could be like, this is becoming something like I know you, you I don't yeah. know how you started it, but you know, you probably uploaded music somewhere and then you kind of realized that this is something you wanted to do. Yeah, definitely. Not full time, I but the f- to take it that next step. Oh, dude, definitely full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um I think the moment was when I released Trying to Chill, which was basically yeah. my first proper single. Like I'd released singles in inverted commas before that, but they were really just house songs with an acapella. Mm-hmm. I'd never like worked with a vocalist. I hadn't, you know, done any like choruses or anything like that. Like there were no verses or, or anything like that. It was just very much a house kind of vibe from before then. Um, and then, yeah, I released Trying to Chill and I worked with 
another producer, a vocalist, and I got it properly mixed and mastered and all this stuff. And I remember after I released that, it got played on Triple J and um, a fair few people latched onto it and it got added to like this Spotify viral chart, which was really, really cool. And then my DJ fee went up and I started to headline around places playing that song. And I was like, yeah, right. This is actually like, that was, that was definitely the time, man, where I was like. It became like, iconic. I mean, when yeah, I thought I of you, that, I thought of yeah. that, that song. Like, I, it's, yeah. it became, I mean, now it's a different one and we'll get to that. But yeah, sick. <laughs> that, trying to chill was like this, it wasn't a, it wasn't a failure movement, but it was something like it became iconic to your name. Yeah, and like, and it, I reckon that's so cool. Like, that makes yeah. me so happy. And um, yeah, it just worked. And props to Bluey Moon on the vocals because he was half of it, you know. And mm-hmm. props to Lockie Milne because he helped me produce it as well. And um, he taught me how to produce. So yeah, but I think like, I mean, in that one, you associated the, with it. Like, you had the music video. You had like it was yeah. a, quite a, a big production by the end. Yeah, of it. that's the other thing. Like, it was not only my first single that I've like was a proper song it was like all that stuff you just said you know i did the music video i got three like four remixes done um i got a proper pr company to like service it to radio and it was just the whole kit and caboodle and man i probably spent like four or five grand on that song but Mm -hmm. um it's paid dividends so far so i guess okay so has it has it is it a has it returned on its investment or is it a is it a work in progress well, I mean, as you'd know, like talking business-wise, like it's a different investment, you know? It's not like like you don't go to a bank, you put 50 bucks in and then a year later and then like the next day you get 100 or like you don't buy a product for $50 and sell it for 100 and make 50 bucks. It's like bucks, an annuity. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to keep paying you until you die. So, I mean. Dude, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, man, it, it raised my fee, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I went from playing for 70 bucks a set to playing 150 or 200. Yeah. It's like that you jump really... You had something really... associated with your name. There was this... Yeah, and man, I yeah. was going from like a normal font on the flyer to the headliner up the top, you know? And that then, aer- like, that aerial all... font turned into Comic Sans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, and it was like bold and italic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like all those things contribute so much to your image and then it's all just the domino effect from there, man. People start to view you bigger... And then you can work with bigger artists. You can, you know, like I started talking to like this manager dude for a little bit and like all this stuff happened from it. Um, So yeah, like I haven't made five grand from that song, but I've probably made over five grand from playing gigs from that song. You know what I mean? From from the the kind of the shockwave from it. It happened and then all these, uh, the ripple effect from it led on to other opportunities and higher fees, which, yeah. So exactly. I think you're, it's the indirect kind of result. Yeah. For me, your your clout, I guess, could be the the right word to use here. Great was call. Within, it's, it's kind of got pockets. Like your fan base is within pockets, and I know that the hills is definitely one of those pockets. Yeah, definitely. And In Victoria, I've got pockets everywhere. It's yeah, this, so crazy. <laughs> this that um, impacted me at one point when you were playing at Sookie's in Belgrave, and yeah, I. I'd gone there with Sigrid, one of our, one of my friends, and we were having some drinks and you were playing and we saw on Facebook that you were live and that you'd been playing, you were doing your thing. And I'm like, all right, we'll yeah. go see what's going on. Went around and one of my friends from primary school, Vance, was there. And I went up and I said hello to you and he, he was like, whoa, you know Max? I was like, yeah, he, he, I met him in high school. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, whoa. I was like, okay, so like it's it doesn't matter how many likes you've got. I mean, you don't have a hundred thousand likes on Facebook or on Twitter nah. or on on followers on Spotify, but that yeah, yeah. What is it? You need a thousand true fans to make six. Yeah, a year. I, I have heard that saying heaps. Yeah. I don't know what the and number is, but it's I found very one low. of them, and I found one of yeah. them, and I didn't have to try. He just rocked up, and so it was. How sick! It's a. It, it felt. I felt happy for you just knowing that was the the case because yeah. it was like I hadn't seen this guy in so long, and he had abs. You know the seven degrees of separation. Is it six degrees mm. or seven? He yeah, seven, was seven, from a completely yeah. different pocket of friends and a pocket of group to the group from Blackburn or the group from my high school. So there was no way that there was an affiliation there. He just happened to know who you were and was really pumped about being there to listen to your music. So it was. Yeah. 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 That's so sick, man. I don't even, I don't, have I met him before? Ah, I mean, he'd be stoked probably. (laughs) He was, yeah, he was was at the front. I mean, just vibing along like mad. Yeah. That's so sick. I love that feeling. Yeah. It's, it's so true though, man. You just like, if you have a fan that buys your shirt, buys your album, goes to your show, thousand of those, mate. They need to engage in one or two things a year and you've got. That's the thing, man. Yeah. 100%. It's like, that's worth so much more than someone just following me on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I mean, Instagram followers are useful, but it's. Oh, definitely. It's only, it's only useful if you have those sort of people there. Dude, I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, it all fuels the fire, but mm-hmm. definitely um, a certain level of fuel, you know, depending yep. on what one it is. Yeah. So you've got the... No, for sure. You've got a few... You do a lot of DJing gigs, and I remember you did... Might have been last year or the year before, you used to do those midday or the morning concerts. Where there was... Oh, dude, Morning Gloryville. Was that... Oh, man, that's I, memories. I, I, that, that idea to me blew my mind. I was like, okay... Oh. Like people weren't yeah. drinking at these events, were they? Nah, dude. It honestly, Tom, it, you might even have it on your question sheet. What was my favorite gig ever? That would have to be top ten for me, man. Because you did that it quite was, regularly. Yeah, I did it. I think I did it three times, and it ran six times. So I did it like every second one or whatever. Okay. And one of them I played with my friend Chris, who did live sax, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we should do a gig together, man. That'd be cool. Uh, um, I'd be down for that any day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, man, it's, yeah, it was basically called Morning Gloryville. Shouts out to those guys and Eddie and Bex and stuff. And they did it at this cafe in Melbourne, the Thousand Pound Bend. They've got mm-hmm. this great function space out the back. It's just like a huge warehousey concrete area. And they basically just had DJs playing for like, I think it was like a four hour thing, like five to nine AM or something like that. Um, and they had yoga happening, like smoothie vans, coffee, juices, makeup, face painting, all this different shit. Is this like a hangover and recovery for people? Is it like they've dude, been it's out? it's on a Wednesday the... morning. Who the fuck's Okay, so they haven't been out morning. the Tuesday night. Okay, no, so I was thinking maybe dude, this was like on a Saturday. Yeah, no, it's literally just like uh, the amount of people, man, that I saw, like I played last every time, so it ended at nine, and people would literally take off their like – their lycra and their tights and all this stuff and put their suits on and walk up to their office. <laughs> it was the coolest That's thing mad. ever. And man, everyone was sober and like, it was all, it was literally just about let's shake a leg midweek reset. Let's smash the last three days of our week, you know, and it unfortunately started at five. I started at 5am dude. Yeah. Oh, 
People are dedicated. Dude. That's crazy. Man, it was so sick. That was easily, yeah, that it's was such those... a vibe. Because, man, my sets just suit that shit. It's just yeah. up, like, up tempo, funky, feel good. Like, that's what that whole it event is. It puts a smile on your so face sick. and it definitely gets things 100%. pumping. And I think yeah, exactly that right. sort of idea is one of those ideas where it seems so original and so out there that people be like, that's just not going to work. Dude. But know, obviously, yeah. I mean, they had smoothie vans. That's that's oh man, they cool. had like I think they sold like three hundred tickets every time. All right, so it was really cool. That's successful. Really, really cool. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, forty bucks a ticket as well, man. They're doing all right. And so, what about like festivals and stuff? So you've, I, I know about that just by chance, just by seeing it appear on on Facebook when you happen to be doing it. But mm. what about festivals and stuff? What's your take on music festivals and getting participating them? Other people like if people are wanting to get out there, are music festivals like the best way to do it? Because it's... In terms of as an artist performing. Yeah. Is, it, is, that like um, a mo- is that like a peak moment to be performing at festivals or is it a... Yes, I'd say it is, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I think like... Yeah, I mean, a lot of festivals have like local stages and that can either be, in my opinion, a really good thing or a really bad thing. Like not bad, but just like not that important. Mm-hmm. Like... It kind of For instance, sectionalizes. It puts people in a in a section. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, put it this way: I played Rabbit. This festival called Rabbit Hole, right? And that was 2016 for memory. That was only when I just started DJing, and I played to like 600 people. And it was there were two stages, but I played the last night, the last set, and everyone just came to my stage because the other stage is closed. And that for me was a hugely beneficial show. Like I had a lot of people reach out afterwards being like, where's okay. your music? What's the go? Right. Yeah. So it but was then, beneficial in the long run because people were definitely, to yeah, yeah. Music and... Whereas like, like, um, but I guess like the other side to that is posting about, Hey, I'm playing at rabbit hole festival. No one knew it. So it was a bit yeah. like whatever, but then contrast that I played beyond the Valley the year after. And that was like beyond the valley is huge, right? Yeah, I but mean, I was, I was going to play the that. local yeah. local stage. Mm-hmm. I played the local local stage to probably like 150 people, and it was cool. But I don't think that was as beneficial as the Rabbit Hole Festival. But then again, I'm saying that I'm playing it beyond the valley, mm-hmm. you know. But then the next time I played it beyond the valley, they only had three stages. The third stage was still huge, and I probably played to like 1,300 people, and it was one of the most beneficial gigs of my life and I like absolutely loved it as well. So in answer to your question, I think overall, yes, like for sure in general, but you could say that about any gig, you know what I mean? Like I could support someone at 170 Russell or the Corner Hotel and that might be just as beneficial as playing a festival. Mm -hmm. Um, It just kind of depends on the intricacies, you know, like what stage, when you're playing, all that kind of stuff. Because I think even if you're running a small gig, it's, as we said before about the thousand fans, I mean, if one person comes out of that as being dedicated to you for six months to 24 months to three years, it's, yeah, that's a long-term investment. Like you're going to play a two hour gig for someone to dedicate their life to you. I mean, their music, their Spotify is going to be swamped with your music for the next 12 months. And that, yep. Constant streams, they buy a a $30 ticket to your show once a year. You get your merch out once every two years. They buy a $40 shirt, whatever. Yeah, definitely. Are you Um, streaming just on Spotify or are you using Apple? No, I'm on everything. Apple Music, Deezer. 
YouTube, SoundCloud. Um, so the best question but, is which one pays best? I mean, Spotify, from what I know, is just pennies, right? Pennies to the to the yeah, screen. Yeah, it's a bit bit Tracy Grimshaw. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Apple Music pays better than Spotify, but sixty mm. percent of the population use Spotify. Yeah. Whereas only forty use Apple Music. So. Well, you're sitting at 30,000 listens a month, right, on Spotify. Yeah, 30,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. I don't even know what I'm – this is the other thing. I'd love to use Apple Music more, but I don't know how to dictate it. Like, I feel like Spotify is set up better. I don't know. Like, do you use Apple Music? No, I just use Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, so like – I feel I mean, bad every time obvious, I press play. <laughs> yeah, all the obvious things about Spotify, it's like they've got algorithmic players, and I'm sure Apple Music do too, but like – from the artist side of it, like Spotify have this thing called Spotify for artists where it's just so easy to navigate your way through. It's like, cool, I've got a new song. I'm going to post it in my profile. Cool, I've got a new show. I'll post that on my profile. And then they like four weeks before you release, you submit it to the editors, which is like all the different curators of all the different playlists on Spotify. And then on Spotify, you on Spotify for artists, when you're submitting it, you go, uh, cool, is there any like cultures in this song? So if it's like, it's got like Afro beats in it. You can be like, yeah, cool. I've used African elements. And then it's like, what instruments have you used? And they go like synth and bass and drums and acoustic guitar and whatever. And it gives the curators a really, really good idea of what the song is like. Right. And then obviously, cause they receive millions of songs a day or whatever it is, then they can like filter it out into all their different avenues and all the different curators, Apple music. There's an Apple music for artists, but I do not know. And I'm pretty sure that there isn't a submission thing where you can like independently submit the song and be like, hey, this is what it's about. This is you what the vibe is. You just got to go by like DistroKid and stuff, right, to get it yep, out Yep, you just do yeah. use your dis- distribution platform, which I've used DistroKid and TuneCore. Oh, sorry, DistroKid mm-hmm. and Ditto mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you just put it up and tick it. It's the same as Deezer and like So do you represent yourself? Are you your own record label, yeah, so to speak? Yeah, yep. Yeah, 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 I actually do have my own record label um, called Move Well Recordings. Okay, and that's yours? Um, that's mine, yeah, and basically okay. like... Oh, the well, I got it, the well bits in yeah, there. Yeah, Move yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my Spotify playlist is called Move Well as well. Um, okay. And yeah, it's basically like um, I've just set it up. I set it up initially so I could put my music on Beatport, which is like a dance music website for DJs to buy all their songs for. Um, but... I think eventually I'm going to get other artists on it and create a bit more of a community around it. But for now, it's just kind of in the background. Because there's a whole other scene around the whole playlist thing on Spotify, isn't there? People like will pay huge amounts of money to end up on the on certain playlists. Yeah, man, like, it's I've massive. Seen people paying, you know, a few thousand dollars to get on some of the top, you know, listened playlists just so that they can get that little ounce of exposure. Yep, exactly right. Yeah, and to be honest. I kind of hate it in a way because it's pay to win. <laughs> it's pay to win almost, yeah. But then also the other side of the coin is like it's a bit of a double-edged sword, man. Because it's like if you're an independent artist with no money, like you can't just pay a thousand bucks for a Spotify yeah. thing, right? But then the other side of the coin is like if if you um, if you get so many of those paid submissions is the performance is like is there is the result actually going to be worth a thousand bucks like how many 
actual playlists can those companies get you on? Like, is it real? Are the is streams it going to be real? organic? Is it going to be organic? Are yeah. they like for me? It's like my goal is like, yeah, it's great to get streams, but like you've said three times already, and I've said eight times. It's like I want them to go to my shows after. I want them to like engage with Morning Maxwell as a thing, not just hey, I listen to this song on repeat because it's sick. You know what I mean? Like that's cool, but it doesn't convert. And it's like that's what I often find with those playlist things. It's like yeah, sick. I got on the playlist and I got streams, but what's that done? Like, am I getting any more Spotify followers? Like well, that's mm-hmm. Spotify followers are a huge one, man, because every time you release a song, um, all your followers get notified of that song through their release radar. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Spotify users don't even follow artists because they're like, I can just like the song. Like, why do I need to follow the artist? So they can so, get a full rundown of all the music that's coming out from you just because they're following you. So they're going to know and they're going to remember to engage with it. So Exactly right. And they get literally fed it to them from the Spotify mm-hmm. algorithms. Whereas, and I think that's the, the benefit of these algorithmic-based systems. I mean, it, they do feed yeah. it to you on a spoon. It's like 100%. If, you, yeah. if you're in the right place at the right time, it's kind of like the old thing about, you know, when you're playing a gig that you don't know who's in the audience. And it's the same mm. with when you release a song on Spotify or release a video on YouTube or you're doing anything to grow on any platform. It's like you mm. don't know when the algorithm is going to slide on by and go, that deserves to be on Explore. That deserves to trend. Yeah. So yeah, legit, legit. It's this, it's that there could be a producer in the audience. The algorithm could be about to push your content out onto trending, onto Explore. And I think... Definitely. Rather than... I mean, you see all this stuff like Gary V. So Gary Vaynerchuk, I mean, his thing yeah, is, yeah. it seems to me like he's, he's dead on quality. And like he says, you know, quality is important, but he's so hard on about quantity and like you have to just keep mm. pushing content out. And he like for a while he was bashing on about TikTok, you know, you've got to put content out on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Because the algorithm was picking up a lot of people, it was really easy to blow up. And from there you could, you know, have the trickle down effect onto, onto your Spotify, onto your Twitter, onto your Instagram. Yep. But it was just churning it out, yeah. It's also quality because if if you release something and it does happen to trend and it's not your best work or it's not the best thing you've ever done, then what's going to happen for it from there? Like, where does it go? Like, there's no upwards trajectory. And it's like you were saying before, when people pay for the playlists, like, even if it leads to it trending and it gets a million hits, are they worth anything? Are they just going to be a million people thing. that are never going to listen to it again? Because is it good That's music? That's exactly is right. It Good yeah, content. Yeah. I could yeah, no, sing 100%. into my microphone tomorrow and release it on t- Spotify and get it on all the playlists and get 10 million yeah. hits. But are people going to return it, for version number two? It's just that longevity <laughs> you're talking about, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're building a brand, it's longevity is is key, which means yeah. that... Man, that's why I like Trying to Chill did so well because it got added naturally to that viral chart. It's it the Australia so Viral good. Top 50. It was and so good. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah it was I sick. Mean, it was good fun. But, like, people – that's the thing, Tom. Like, people were liking it on Spotify. People were sending it on Spotify and people were saving it to their playlists. So, like, all those things were telling the Spotify gods or the algorithms being like, hey, this song's, this song's vibing, you know? It's getting added to playlists. So then Spotify put it on their viral thing. Man, I remember I got, like, 50,000 streams in, like, a week. It was hectic, you know? Yeah, and that feels mad. Um, feels oh, mad, especially feels so when your sick. community is 
Australia mostly, and you've got Victorian yeah. people listening, and you, if you think that 50,000 people are listening, so like, we're, not, yeah. we're not the States. Like, it's a different feeling. Oh, like, dude. in the States, Completely if you release something, market, you get 50,000. <laughs> if you get 50,000 hits in the States, it's like, all right, cool. Did you just sell it on the streets? But yeah, in Australia, yeah. if you get 50,000 hits, you got 50,000 hits. It's like Man, a Man, it's a decent, deal. it's for sure, it's a decent yeah. um, thing, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy how it all works, man. But um, hopefully, more to come. <laughs> so, kind of chase that feeling for a while. Yeah. You, the the other song that I kind of hinted on before, trying to chill's great, but for me it was Donkey Kong. It was right by Donkey Kong. Oh, that, you like Donkey that, Kong? That just that I don't I don't know if it's the song that I'm necessarily enjoying, or if it's the name, or it's the lyrics. <laughs> it. It was just so unexpected. But I think that's kind of part of your brand is unexpected. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just fun. And that song was like, so that I just actually, um, that acapella is an original. I just mm-hmm. took it from this other song and then just took the royalty, uh, the um, publishing from it. So yeah, I love it, man. It just like really represented me. And like, I was working with this guy, Liam at the time, who's the bassist of client liaison. And, um, he did the baseline and I just laid down some drums and shit. And it was just funny. <laughs> um, it I'm surprised you didn't max. send me a video for the video clip, Tommy. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. You caught me. Uh, um, yeah. That's all right. But Better I think the, next time. Yeah, the, it just felt very you. And I think if, if, if no one's seen you perform live or seen, your post on Instagram. I mean, you, you DJ in your underwear. So I think (laughs) like, I think this song, it didn't, it didn't shock me, but it was like, okay, Mm. this is, this is Max. Like this is inexplicitly, this is Max. And yeah, yeah, it's straight down the line. My personality. Hey, yeah. 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 Nah, for sure, man. And I think Um, that's why it stood out so much for me. Did anything happen with that song? Did it, did it do well? Um, Did it, it did decently well, yeah, for sure. Like, DJs still play it in their sets every now and then. I don't think it, like, it didn't have the same effect as trying to chill or take it in by any stretch. Um, I actually thought you were going to say take it in. Um, it, it's but... a, it's close, but I think just the Donkey Kong one was, it just felt so, I don't know, it's hard to explain it. It just felt yeah, really no, nah, it just it goes just down felt... the line, Morning Maxwell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that for sure. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it did decently, man, for sure. It didn't do badly, but it just didn't like. I think the graphics blow, also like the didn't blow whoever you oh, had that, to do the graphic arts. I mean, who who does all your graphics? Is that Carla? Carla? She and yeah. she's like, to be honest, that's one of my team members. You know, like she's done all my art since day dot, and I'd hold her at least ten percent responsible for how well my marketing's gone. You know, because mm-hmm. she did my logo and she did all my cartoon stuff, and that just suits my vibe. The funky, feel-good kind of shit, you know? So, um, yeah, dude, that art was so funny. <laughs> Just me on a, on the top of a donkey. <laughs> yeah, I mean... So good. And the 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 glasses. Yeah, the, the... Um, they came from my first Beyond the Valley set. They're called the Cyclops glasses because okay. it's just like yep. one big thing One across. bit of plastic across, yeah. Yeah, one bit of plastic made in China, man. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, no, they're fun. I've lost them now, which is awesome. So I just wear normal ones now. 
<laughs> back to the normal but, um, glasses. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff, though. So what about during during coronavirus and during this pretty weird six months that we've had in Australia and yeah. pretty much everywhere in the world? I mean, people might not know, but I mean, in, in Melbourne, we're back down to a back into a lockdown. So yeah. what's been kind of keeping you going, like keeping you motivated? I mean, Max Bishop events can't necessarily run. So what's been kind of pushing you, keeping you motivated and inspired? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, well, I mean, we've been pretty much in this pandemic since March because I remember my last gig was March 13th. So, I mean, what's the date now? 7th of August. So we've pretty much done five months straight, you know, just under. And I've had heaps of different emotional feels like, I've probably been depressed for about four days of it, <laughs> like properly yeah. depressed. And then I've been really excited for like 70% of it. And then the other 28% has probably been just me being a bit like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, today's just a day vibing. and that's cool. Yeah. And yeah, it's just weird. Um, and to be honest, man, it's actually been great because it's forced me to just like think about really like clear up the focus, clear up the vision work out what I'm actually going to do with my life. It sounds like very cliche, but like in answer to your question, what's getting me excited? My goals are getting me excited, man. You know, I want to, I want to be more musical. Like that's why we literally just had a zoom like 20 minutes ago. You know, me and Tom had a quick zoom just learning how to play the trumpet. Cause I played it ages ago and I want to do it again. You know, it's like, that's something that I should take advantage of. It'd be stupid not to. I use trumpets in half my songs. Why would I want to use a fake trumpet sound when I can play it myself? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's something I want to work on. I've been working on piano heaps. Like I've been playing pretty much every day for at least 20 minutes, which has been awesome. Um, I want to like eventually get to this live show thing where I'm playing with a band and I'm playing piano and trumpet and I'm singing a song. And yeah, like, It sounds like Jacob Collier. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'd like for me this is just the beginning, man, and that's what I think that's what's getting me excited the most. And like even with my events company, you know, like I still get a hard on from doing that like businessy like stuff every now and then. Like I love being creative and I love learning and all that stuff, but every now and then I love being an entrepreneur and just being like that guy on emails and that's sick, you know. And when I do feel like that, I channel it hard and Basically, like for those that are listening, my events company is, we basically just, I book a range of different pubs and um, like bars and stuff around Melbourne Um, and I book out acoustic guitarists and DJs and um, little trios and stuff like that for live music and then the other side of it is private functions and that's basically just like weddings and engagements and 21st and 50th and stuff like that. Um, Because people wouldn't necessarily know that side of you. I mean, there's... There's yeah. this entrepreneurial businessman that's running a an events company nearly for five years now, or longer than five yeah. years. Yeah, it's been that, five years, yeah. yeah. And then there's Morning Maxwell, which is this completely, I mean, it's entrepreneurial in itself, but it's this completely mm. different vibe. Yeah, definitely. Like if, well, like, someone... I actually started, I started as that entrepreneur, and that's how I got into DJing. Like, I've always been, and to be honest, my entire vibe links because basically with the events company, it started by bringing other people together so like it was literally just me my friend Mose and my friend Lawrence who was on so Mose was another DJ 
and Lawrence was a photographer, videographer. Lawrence runs Creative he, LP, right? Or LP. Yeah, yeah, LP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you met yeah. him before? I feel like yeah, you I have. have. Yeah. 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 Um, at the time, I wanted to do gigs and make money. Mose wanted to do gigs, like DJ gigs, and Lawrence Phelan wanted to do more video and photo stuff. And then Joe Cirillo and Matt Davides on Live Acoustic. And then I just kept bringing all these people in, and I was like, this is sick. I've got an agency now. And then I'm like, wait. I can offer this to weddings. So Lawrence started to do weddings and then I started to do weddings and then Mose started to do weddings. And then I was like, why don't I get a bartending thing happening? And then I started offering bartenders and then I started offering like chef, chefs coming to the house, cocktail bartenders, catering. And then I bought a photo booth and I started offering that and like training people up to be a photo booth staff member. And I just like kept bringing all these things together. And that's what I'm doing with my music now. It's like, and that's what I want my live show to be as well. You know, it's like I'm working on this song at the moment called You and it's got seven people on it, man. <laughs> like it's got me, the vocalist, a co-producer, a top liner, um, trumpet player. Sorry, I didn't use you, Tom. Um, <laughs> a, right, yeah, and then what was the other one? And an electric guitarist, you know, like six or seven people on it, man. But it's just about bringing it all together with that same vibe and then you'll nail it, you know. And I'm so excited about that song. I'm actually mixing it on Monday, which is awesome. Um, but, yeah, with the event stuff, like, I'm still getting excited by it because I think, for me, it's just about, well, like, I, I wasn't excited about it six months ago. And I guess, like, Corona's probably made me think, what is going to get me excited? And for me, that's like a restructure a bit. Like I've got a new menu. I've got a new cocktail menu. I'm going to do everything properly. I've got like coordinators for each kind of um, thing that I offer now. So I've got a photo booth guy that just organizes all the photo booth stuff. I've got a photo dude that just like does the media. And then I've got me who books DJs, me who books live acoustic. And then I've got like a catering kind of dude who's the chef and I've got like an alcohol guy that does like wines, beers, all that stuff. And it's just all organized and good and now I'm going to offer trivia and just all this other stuff. And yeah, so I guess that's what gets me excited, man. Like for me, excitement is inspiration and like sometimes people can just get into that, oh, yeah, cool, I'll get up, I'll do this and then I'll go to bed. It's like that's sick but you're doing the same thing over and over. Is that getting you inspired? Maybe, maybe not. It's something you have to suss, you know? So I think it's, and it's good that you've been able to sort of channel that into kind of looking at the future of all of your, all of your different projects and all the different things you're yeah. working on. Because I mean, with Max Bishop, Max Bishop events, sorry, it's a bit of a tongue twister with Max yeah. Bishop events. Like there's nothing currently. I mean, there's no events that you can be running, but there's no. nothing no. stopping. There's it no work at all. Planning the future and planning ahead. Um, and I'm sure yeah, exactly. people aren't interested in booking you necessarily right now for their wedding, but I mean, yeah, yeah, the you can tailor your service and you can refine it and make it better than it was previously because you've got all this time to do it. Exactly, like man, just the Corona stuff has literally made me think way more about how people are going to appreciate intimate functions instead yep. of like hundred person functions, like. To be honest, my whole aspect on uh, my not my whole aspect, my whole um, like perspective or view on germs and stuff is so weird now. 
Like mm -hmm. the thought of playing to 500 people gives me anxiety just purely because of how much sweat and saliva is going to be there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Like, you look at, you look at things from 12 months ago and stuff that was dude. happening at festivals and stuff that happens oh. in mosh pits. And you're like, whoa, Man. whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's, where's your social distancing? I it's mean, so weird, isn't it? And it's, I it's honestly funny how think quickly your brain flips to it though. Like how quickly yeah. things change and that just becomes normal. And when you look at something that's no longer the norm, you notice the stark difference between it. Like Dude. you look at it and you go, that is so out there. Like I can't even comprehend doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, 100%, which is why the, man, new exactly. the new normal is going to be different to the old normal. Exactly. And that like kind of brings me to what I was saying before. It's like, I think a lot of other people are going to be thinking that way too, in terms of germs and stuff. And it's like, maybe they just want 20 or 30 people come to their house. And that's when from an events perspective, it's like, well, what can I offer? And yep. I've been plotting some stuff behind the scenes, which when I'm going to you start charging more for less people. Every Dude, exactly. one it's down, like, you charge an additional $100 on top for less people because it becomes more intimate. Yeah, <laughs> what experience can I offer though? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. maybe not everyone wants a DJ and a photographer for 100 people anymore. Maybe they want something different that's going to be more memorable. You know what I mean? So that's why, yeah, that's exciting. And um, yeah, what gets you inspired, man? I think ideas such as this podcast and yeah, sick. being able to, I mean, I've still got, had university sort of run throughout it. So recording projects with uni, I mean, doing multi-tracking, mm. um, you know, just sitting at home is different to sitting in a 100 piece ensemble, but getting to play my line and then submit it and then seeing the final product is pretty cool. Um, really cool. And I've been, I've been like, even today I recorded a quartet just for trumpet and yeah, sick. just listening to it go, yeah, it's, you know, it's not the same as having my three friends who also play trumpet, you know, sitting down with me and we play through it in the day and record it or do something, but it's still, it kind of fills that hole a little bit. And you also yeah. think more outside of the box and you go, okay, well, I can, I can really do anything. I can record with anyone. I mean, and even though the opportunity already existed, but people have so much time now, so oh, much time. Fact. And all these people that became the untouchables that were the untouchables become within reach. So it's mm. been really great, you know, even just seeing for me as a, as a classical trumpet player, um, seeing all these top musicians, top players making themselves available because they have this time. They're not gigging around the world. They're not playing in orchestras every single day. They're actually available and they can teach. And these people haven't taught for 30 years because they've been so busy and yeah. they're not necessarily going to be the best teachers, but it's the, the ex, the experience and the new time their, and the new inspiration their time. and just getting to talk to them and being available. I mean, in we've done zooms in our brass ensemble where we've had people come along that when you hear their name, you're like, they're not going to come into our zoom. They're not going to be there, but they made, you know, 45 minutes of their time just to chat, just to talk to 12 other kids and well kids, you know, 22 year olds and 23 year olds in a room with yeah, a couple yeah. of professors and they kind of can share experience from pre-COVID, but also their COVID experience, which is just kind of the same as everyone else. Yeah, so I think definitely. the idea of getting involved, starting new projects, collaborative work, I mean, doing stuff like this has been huge. Um, yeah. I feel I think like for you, man, it's, it's like you've been playing trumpet for how many years now? 17. 17 years. It's like, yeah. I reckon at least six of those points, you were like, I'm a bit bored, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you were, 
you probably would have had to have sit down, sat down and like been like, okay, how am I going to make this interesting? And yeah, all those exactly. things you just listed before, that's what it is. It's I like you've got to check in with yourself. Kid, but it, it took yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it used to just be I'd pull a tantrum and be like, I don't want to play this anymore. And my parents yeah. would be like, well, and we're then paying your, for your then lessons. And then your mum would be like, it's, it's really good for you, Tom. Like, yeah. you're really good at it. You should continue. I, I never felt pressured. I mean, maybe I was a little bit. Like, at points, I, you know, there was, I'd have almost screaming tantrums about it, you know, as a little kid. But yeah. I, it wasn't until I got to high school that I started to look at it as a viable option. Yeah, and in even terms now, of like an actual career. Yeah. Even now, I still look at it in quotation marks as being a viable option. I mean, I'm so... I'm quite diverse in the way I think. And I think for me, I can't sit down and play in an orchestra for the rest of my life, but I can mm. record podcasts and I released, released a hyper casual game a couple of months ago and I work with influencers from all around the world now. And I've got to work and talk and meet with people that have millions of followers and kind of get the idea of how they've, how they've gone about that and what, how they say focused on one thing. Cause for me, I'm so broad that it, you know, it could be my downfall. I mean, I want to do all these different things and I want to test all these different yeah. things, but I also always know that trumpet is there and music is there. So it's kind of comforting mm. to know. Mm. Definitely, man. I think it's nice to explore other avenues of life and just see how you feel with them. You know, like for me, I've got really into fitness the last six months, you know, and it's cool because it's one of those things that takes my mind off music for an hour or two a day, you know, because the rest of the time I'm literally just thinking about, cool, what song am I going to release? Who am I going to work with? How am I going to release it? What's the live show going to look like? How many tickets am I going to sell? What shows should I get? What artists am I frothing? Like there's so many things with music that are in my head constantly. How to play a fucking B flat major seventh on, on the piano, all this shit. It's like, when you just exercise for an hour or two, it's just great. And it's like, I think it's actually really important to be like slightly broad, you know, mm -hmm. like you were saying, it's a danger and it can definitely become a danger because you put an hour a week into 15 different things instead of 10 and four or whatever. But like, I think it's important to once again, get inspiration and really like switch off for a minute, you know, like I think, like, man, some of the beats I've made this this corona, straight after a workout, I'm just flying. I'm like, dude, I'm strong. It's fucking like, get in there and make a tune, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. make something really sure. pump up. It's sick. Um, so, yeah. And what about, like, collaborations? Have you been trying to work with other people, like, during this time? Like, doing collabs? Or has it been more of a kind of a soul-searching individual moment? To be honest, probably more soul-searching than collaborations. Like... Mm -hmm. I collaborated really heavily through 2019, like really hectically. I reckon I made like 25 songs maybe. Um, some of those which have come out at the start of this year, which has been cool. But um, now I'm kind of like, let's hone in on my craft. Let's get more musical with it. Let's use different sounds. Let's suss everything out and then collab. I've still been collaborating. Like I probably still collaborate with someone once a week, but I used to collaborate. I used to do a session a day back in the day, like just crazy stuff, you know. Um, I think the power of collaboration is awesome though. And to be honest, when I get like writer's block and shit like that, I just collaborate with people and it definitely helps me like get back. The remedy. It's like working with yeah, other people it's just opens like, up. If you've got a vocalist on the other end of the line or in a, in a room, it's like you kind of have to bring up something good, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like you don't really have a choice. 
Um, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing that you're saying. Like when you've run out of ideas, or when you're like you're not in a maybe in a writer's block. Did you say? Did you call it writer's block before? I think it's yeah. The, I kind of hate that term now that I think yeah. about it. But, but yeah, it's, it's like well, whatever. It, I feel like you exists. can always do something else. It but, exists. Yeah. But there's always ways of working around it, and things will. It's everyday life kind of triggers those those inspirations. So it's interesting in COVID. I mean, you let there's less experiences necessarily happening apart from online ones. So I think there's less, Yeah. the, your brain is picking up on less information than before. Dude, I mean, 100%. Yeah. So it makes sense. It makes sense for people to suddenly feel demotivated, uninspired and lacking of ideas. But I think the, one of the great things about internet and the great things about zoom or this form of meeting it allows you still to, get that interaction. Definitely. And yeah, you can still get all, human interaction. All sorts of ideas can come from it. I mean, it's a unique way of thinking. It's a unique unique way of living life. So, Yeah, I think it's almost borderline more efficient too. Um, mm-hmm. Like I could meet up with you for a half an hour Zoom doing trumpet, right? Half an hour. It's like, hey, how are you? All right, cool. What are we doing today? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no Whereas travel. Like, there's no arriving. If I went yeah. to yours, you're in, you're in Tacoma, right? Or Upway? Um, yeah, Menzies Creek. Menzies Creek, sorry, yeah. So it's like 35 minutes from here. I drive, mm-hmm. 35 minutes back. We fuck around before and up, whatever. It's like this massive procedure for half an hour lesson, you know what I mean? Whereas now it's like jump on jump Zoom on. for half an hour yeah. and we're on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited about it. And I think, um, as it's been saying on the news as well, I think it's going to be changing a lot of entrepreneurs' perspectives. Like as we kind of, even before COVID, like, the whole idea of like making money from your computer was like definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, I don't even need an office space, bro. Yeah. I just need a room in my house with Wi-Fi. Yeah, I mean, I use, my, I use my bedroom and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Like you're doing bedroom right now. Luckily yeah. I've got a studio and like that's sick and whatever. But yeah, it, like the, the options are endless. It's so cool. And it's interesting you're saying that it's so immediate, but it's also like, in the aspect of touring and meeting international people from a new audience from an international um, level, it's like yeah. before you travel and you go to Bali and you play a gig and I'm sure the majority of the people listening were Australian. But Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that, but it's still sick to <laughs> say you've played overseas. You know, there's these other people there. But now it's like I can jump on a Zoom with 500 people from the States and I can say whatever Dude. I want and that information is there. They, they've heard me say whatever yep. blasphemous thing I might say or might yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're it's there. So cool. They know it. It's there. Um, yeah. And so this, the new way of thinking, I think new communities are going to kind of spawn up out of it. I, I mean, agree, man. I definitely agree for sure. The gaming um, world's had it pretty down pat for a while. Yeah. The idea of... Dude, it's, so they, weird they you say right. that about gaming. Yeah, so right. weird you say that. Because I've, um, I've been looking at getting headphones and stuff. Like, you know, like the big ones over yeah. your ears and then you got like a little microphone that comes yeah, we used out. To, we used to mock people for them, but now it's normal. Man, I want those. Because yeah. then I can go for walks and Bluetooth and chat to people and do all this cool stuff. And... <laughs> You're going to talk with one of the little extension mics. Man, I'd love that. I would love it. <laughs> Just like do meetings and like whatever in it. I reckon it'd be so with cool, some man. Razer gaming headphones. Dude, I, yeah. I call at least two people a day. So it's like... If I can do that while I'm walking with my headies, that's like the mm-hmm. dream, you know? It's also, um, yeah. I think what I was meaning before with the gaming, I mean, they have communities. Like if you look at like all yeah, Warcraft 100%. and all these other games, like they've, they've formed communities. They can be from people all over the world and they've been doing it for ages. 
And we mocked these people as being like, why are they just online all the time? And now that everyone's online, everyone's having to form these communities. So there's new things for music. There's new things for universities now in groups. There's people that are interested in books will have a reading group. I mean, my grandparents are doing Zoom for their choir. It's like, that's so. there's all these online communities now. And I think it's, that's why I mean, the gaming world, like had it right. Like this is the way to do it. Like if you Are you a gamer be, yourself? Not a huge one. My brother is, but I've never been yeah, hectic. into it that much. But I think I've always used like Skype and Discord and everything. And because a lot of the people I work with are international. So mm. they're in the Netherlands or they're in America. Majority of them are in Europe. But mm. the immediacy of being able to just talk to them and having a meeting, even though it's at 3 a.m., it's still like there's an immediate connection. Man, Whereas 100%, other groups... Yeah have lacked that I feel they've lacked that social connection that that, that form of connectivity has been really different and now that people yeah. are on Zoom all the time and there's this new I think a new perspective new outlook that people are going to have I agree man for, listening I, to music yeah. and producing yeah definitely I just think it's a new medium that presents um, yeah just like new opportunities and feelings and inspirations and stuff yeah it's really cool I think it's yeah. I think it's going to be an exciting year like it's depressing that we can't go out to for dinner and stuff, but like, I think it's going to definitely change how people think, which is awesome. I think, like, I think anything that forces people to think about how they live in their life, I froth because it's like, just put a spanner in the works, you know, like just yeah. see how you feel. Try, try something different. You know, I might be trying biphasic sleeping, Tommy. Biphasic. So what does that mean? That means you wake up multiple times. Yeah, so basically you've got monophasic, which is what most of the world do. They go to bed at night and they wake up in the morning and that's all they do. Mm-hmm. Biphasic's more of like a Spanish approach where they Siesta. sleep a little bit less yeah. at night, so like say six hours, and then, yeah, you do a siesta in the Arvo. Um, Neat. Because I've been frothing getting up really early and seizing the day, but I've also been frothing staying up late making tunes, getting a bit weird at night and stuff. So I want to get the best of both worlds of that. So I'm thinking well, you're about not staying up late and then super groggy in the morning. Like I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking at like a midnight till 6am and then um, do like a three to 4.30 nap kind of thing. That's yeah. I can, I can relate with that idea. I've, I've thought about similar things, but it's just never worked working with your around schedule. a uni timetable yeah. and everything, but it's something we I've could go one up. We could go one up and do polyphasic. Is that where you just half hour, half hour up, half hour sleeping? <laughs> you sleep 20 minutes every three hours. Yeah, but I just can't commit myself to sleep like that. I can't just lie down and go to sleep. I mean, yeah, I know, but I think you just get really good at meditating and napping, which would be yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, like yeah, that. That's sort when of idea I was on. T- when I was mind. on. T- what was that? <laughs> that idea kind of blows my mind. The idea. Yeah. of Just sleeping in twenty-minute intervals. Well, I, I, it makes me a bit horny, to be honest. I reckon it'd be really cool. <laughs> like I, when I was on tour, you kind of like when you're on the planes and shit, you just have like half an hour of sleep. Like I remember I went to Adelaide and I was like, dude, I'd love to like get a quick nap in because I'm going to see a mate and then I'm going to play the show. And it's like, you're not really going to, like you're going to go to bed at 3am otherwise, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then just that, that ability to shut off is really hard. I don't have it to be honest, but I'd love to get it. And I think if I did polyphasic, I'd get good at it, maybe. So that's also something that I'm considering, but 
all of these things are just due to corona and just weird shit happening in the world. You new things. I mean, gives you the opportunity to test new things. Yeah. Exactly right, man. Yeah. All right. So if there's like one thing that you could tell people listening that, you know, to keep them inspired, to keep them driving during this really weird period and kind of no matter where they are in the world, something that anyone could really do, what what do you think would be your word of advice? Perfect. It's not really a word of advice. It's a process, but I think the process is bang on is what I did when I was um, depressed and off a lot of things. Write down everything you do in a week, everything, like shower, food, what tasks you do, all this shit, right? And then next to it, rate it out of five stars, how excited you get over it. If anything has a one, change it. <laughs> and like, I love it. I love it. Change it in a way that's going to get you excited, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was trying how to play deep piano are we getting? for eight. Are we, are we breaking it down into... Into afternoon tea, into your oh, ten, if you ten want minutes. to, like yeah, to be right. honest, man, I was cooking the same food. I was having mm-hmm. eggs for breakfast every morning. It's like, all right, how about you make overnight oats, so you don't have to fucking make breakfast in the morning. It's all ready to go. You just get it out of the fridge and put your spoon in. You know, yeah, like simple stuff like that, man, adds up so much. It's like, all right, what am I doing exercise wise? I'm going for a walk to the same oval every week, every day. It's like, all right, why don't I do ten push-ups before bed? And then I think your mentality just subconsciously really enjoys that, oh, oh, that like diff, that, that hit of serotonin endorphin, you know, being like, oh, that's new, that's new, you know, like I was reading this book ages ago about um, multitasking and productivity and it's like Australians, the, you know, that classic office setup, it's like I've got, my mo- I've got my mobile phone, my emails and my laptop and I've got a book that I'm writing notes on and then I've got yep. 17 tabs open. It's like... Dude, you're not being efficient because you've got so many different things open. You can't actually put your attention to one. But the you mind, open them so you have that satisfying feeling when you get to click them all shut. Yeah, <laughs> but then what do you what do you concentrate on? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, there's that other side of it. And this book was saying, like, even in caveman days, it's like, say you've got, like, we're basically programmed for survival and reproduction. You know, so it's like, say me and you, you know, we're like millions of years ago, like. Morning, morning, Apewell and Tom, Tom Ape, you know, like we're hanging around the campfire and we're, you know, making, making the fire, right? We're not going to put 100% of our mental energy into creating that fire as best as we can, are we? We're going to be like, oh, there could be a lion behind us. Oh, my kid's running off. Oh, this. And that's how our minds work, man. They go to different things. They do all these different things. And it's like, um, that's why with your inspiration, you can kind of like go on that path a bit and it's like, let's change it up, give yourself a serotonin hit, get more happier, get more inspired. And then once you've got those different things, then you realign that, um, that concentration and that discipline, you know? For sure. Awesome. That's been my process anyway. So yeah. Man, that's great. So Max, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been great. No worries. Thanks for the chat and good to see you again.